everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. everybody. My name is Amos. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And just as Emily said, it's really, I think, a privilege to serve and to love our community well. And West Vincent Elementary, it's, it's right over there. Like if Patrick Mahomes was here, he could probably throw a football and hit it. Um, that might be an exaggeration by a little bit, but it's, it's not far. It's less than a mile. And uh, they have 50 teachers there. And if you are a teacher, if you know a teacher, they need some love, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me tell you. Uh, but they have another 20 additional support staff. So what's our goal for this month? We want to get 70 cards of encouragement and 70 gift cards that we shoot over to them to be distributed to each and every teacher, each and every member of their staff. And I, I mean, I'm committed to at least 50. And, you know, the number of families we have in our church is right in that neighborhood. So if everybody wrote a card and sent a gift card, that'd be great. But, you know, some of you are like, you have the, the passion for card writing, write three or five cards. Some of you just like want to tell Amazon to shoot us over a gift card, that's fine. Or, you know, mail it yourself, pick it up from Target, whatever. We'll, uh, we'll like do the collating and say like, okay, we have gift cards here and, and cards of encouragement here and we'll stuff them and, and we'll get them over there. So... Uh, we're, we're doing that this month as a way to invest in our community and to love people like Jesus. Uh, alongside that, our Four Corners this month is going to be supporting a school and, orf- and orphanage in Kenya. Some of you are familiar with the organization Rescue Team Kenya. So a, cool, a school down the street and a school across the world. They're needing supplies, especially masks, hand sanitizer, stuff for COVID, but just all the normal stuff that a school in Kenya needs. So if you want to give to Four Corners, that's a way to support Rescue Team Kenya. If you want to love the teachers in West Vincent Elementary, send us cards. All right, so if you're joining us this week for the first time, you are joining us at a good time because we're starting a new series called Deeply Formed. It's running parallel with this book called The Deeply Formed Life, written by Rich V. And uh, I've just got another text this morning at 9.55, said, hey, would you mind sending me one of these books? I am happy to send you a copy of this book so that we can all read this together. And uh, this week, we're only covering the introduction, so we don't even get up to page one this week, so you're not behind. Um, And as of this morning, Amazon would get it to you by Tuesday, so I guess weather permitting. But uh, let let me read through the different themes, and we'll be reading like two chapters a week uh, for the next... I guess it would be five weeks after today. Next week will be contemplative rhythms for an exhausted life. After that, racial justice for a divided time. Next, interior examination for a world living on the surface. Next, sexual wholeness for a culture that splits bodies from souls. And finally, missional presence for a distracted and a disengaged people. So some like, I think really hard-hitting, like in a good way, some deep topics, some good conversations. And uh, I personally found the reading of this book, it's not a hard book to read, but it was, uh, 
It was good for my heart and engaging to my mind as well. This guy is really well read. And so if you've read the introduction, you know that he begins with the image of the Titanic. And I actually have a real photo of the Titanic after it hit the iceberg from the movie Titanic that I just wanted to show you. Um, so for the first hour, as water begins pouring into the lower decks, the people on the upper decks kept going on with their parties, barely aware that anything had happened. On the other side of the ship, the, uh, I don't know what you called them, the boat attendants were going around saying, guys, you need to go up to the upper deck because like, we're in trouble. And people didn't believe them. What was going on, what was causing the ship to sink on one side made the other side of the ship totally oblivious. For the first hour, the ship was only tilted four degrees. By hour two, it had only increased to a five-degree angle. And then in the next 20 minutes, it went sank, split in half. And the metaphor here is that what's going on below the surface is really important, and you could be in major trouble, but as far as everyone knows, you're fine. You're putting on a front. Maybe even uh, you've convinced yourself that everything is fine when everything is not fine because below decks, you're sinking. Guys, I need to tell you something. 2021 might not be better for you than 2020 was. I don't know what's going to go on in the world. I'm not a doomsdayer. Uh, but there may be things in your life in 2021 that are actually going to make you worse off than the things in your life in 2020. And some of that is because uh, a lot of times we pay for the, the lack of rhythm or the lack of structure or the lack of like spiritual and emotional investment in a delayed fashion. So the, the ways that we've like not invested in our souls in 2020, we will reap in our marriages and our relationships in our workplace in 2021. 2021 might be worse for you than 2020 was. And if that's like a, a thought that hits you pretty hard in the stomach, I want you to like consider what you need to do to make it through. What are you doing that's not working? What are you uh, covering up, even if you're hiding it from yourself, that would prevent you from flourishing in 2021? Because here, I mean, here's the reality. Anxiety is everywhere and it's in ourselves. And if you aren't willing to admit it, it simply means that you are not very self-aware. Um, and if you're willing to face it and deal with it in healthy ways rather than unhealthy ways, that's going to make you a person of peace and have the capacity for joy. So I think what we're talking about is really relevant. I want to read just quickly a passage from the introduction of this book where he talks about that metaphor of you know the top side or the people on the upper deck in the in the uh, Titanic, he says, topside people, right, who only focus on the surface stuff, can look so content, joyful, and successful, but privately beneath, they'll confess suicidal thoughts, drug addictions, marital affairs, debilitating shame, inner rage, and so much more. I see the icy waters rising. It's a wake-up call. 
When I look at my own social media profile, I know that from my own depths, similarly threatening waters can be rising. Actually, it is in those very lower decks where our spiritual lives take true shape and texture. But notoriously, we won't take time to go deep down within because we have often been discipled into superficiality and in the name of Jesus, no less. This superficiality works against us as we try to navigate some of the most complex issues of our world, whether related to our emotional health or the complexities of race, sexuality, and justice. How are, we to be, how are we to experience wholeness in our own personal lives while being instruments of healing in a world that is breaking apart around us? To start, we must live in a different place. We have to go down to the lower decks. That's our invitation uh, as we continue through this series, but I just, I'd like to pray, and then we're going to be reading Romans chapter 12. Yes, the whole chapter. Every once in a while, I decide we're going to just read a whole chapter. <laughs> and so take this prayer time to really get yourself settled into a place where you can hear uh, the voice of Paul here talking about some really deep spiritual truths that I think will help us think about the importance of formation or what's going on in the interior life so that even when the external stuff gets a little chaotic or anxious, we don't need to react to chaos, with chaos. We can actually be people of peace. So Holy Spirit, come and meet us today wherever we are. Give us ears to hear. Help us to not just listen with our minds, but to listen with our hearts today. Let your words, as they are recorded in this book, uh, sink deep into our hearts. Jesus, be our teacher. Holy Spirit, be our guide. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, this is a book written to early Christians living in Rome. Uh, some of you may be familiar with it if you were raised in church, but I think if not, it's one of these passages that's uh, got, some, got some real sticky points to it, and uh, I think it's worth letting them just kind of like tumble around in your mind and heart. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And the will of God here, it's not just the, like, the plan that God has for your life. The idea of will has to do with the desires or the heart of God. So in this uh, not conforming to the pattern of the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind, you actually get a, get a glimpse of not just God's plan for your life, but God's heart for you and God's heart for other people. So let's keep going. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, this is good. Listen, this is good. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. 
So this is kind of a double whammy. First of all, like, just so you know, the stuff that you have that is really valuable, it's a gift from God. God has distributed to you. But second of all, and I don't know if this is men in particular or all humans. I can only speak from the male perspective. We often think of ourselves more highly than is true or than is real. Like, I think I'm pretty awesome. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, uh, I'm getting some people agree with me. Do you feel the same way about yourself? No, so she, maybe women sometimes think less of themselves and men think more of themselves than reflects reality. I don't know, that's a, that's a gross overgeneralization. But uh, my wife and I were watching The Great British Baking Show last night, and uh, truly, this was last night. And uh, if you were on the marriage journey call, you learned that watching The Great British Baking Show can be really good for your marriage, right? Um, and there was a scene where Paul Hollywood, one of the hosts, had some, like, cream pie in his beard. I couldn't find any photo evidence on, on Google for this, but uh, it was one of those, like, it was so shocking because I don't think I'd ever seen it before. And he must have cream on his face all the time because he's always eating, like, uh, meringues and uh, creamy stuff. But uh, it was an early season, and so they hadn't, like, done their editing work quite right or something. And I was like, oh, Paul Hollywood has cream on his face. And then, of course, the next shot, it was gone. But I think what Paul's invitation here to do is to, like, take a good, solid look in the mirror, not for the sake of, you know, feeling guilt or self-condemnation, but for the sake of transformation. And in the, in the case of Paul Hollywood, he maybe didn't even know he had stuff on his face, but you know who noticed? Everybody else in the room and everybody watching noticed. And so I think the invitation here is that real transformation can only happen in community because other people see you more truly than you can see yourself. And so we've been giving assignments out the last couple of weeks. Remember how two weeks ago I said, really work on listening. Try to have conversations where you ask three questions in a row without giving any comment, right? And then what was last week? Oh yeah, last week, cheerful perseverance. I hope those have been going well for you. This week, your assignment is to go to someone you trust and who loves you and say, hey, could you tell me how you experience me in both positive and negative ways? That would be courageous. That would take real courage. And I think this is an essential part of the transformative journey of becoming more like Jesus. So there's your assignment for next week. And if you read the book, that's great. But I would rather you go to a loved, loved and trusted friend and ask that question, how do you experience me? Okay, let's keep going. I'm going to return, by the way, back to those first two verses, but I want to keep moving through Romans 12. He goes now into a space of talking about the importance of community and how community serves each other. So in verse 4, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, Jesus, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. In other words, there's diversity in a true, like, body, a church, and there's unity. We're not all the same, but we're together, bringing our unique perspectives and talents and gifts. So we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. 
If it is encourage, it is if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Not easy things to do. To show mercy cheerfully. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, chapter twelve, verse nine. Love must be sincere. And this. This little phrase, I think, gets right to the heart of what real transformation is. Uh, The idea of love being sincere is that the love must be real. Not an external love, but an internal love. Not even simply an emotional love, but a true desire for the good of others. And that is something you cannot fake. And that is something that only really you and God knows whether your love is sincere. This is the whole like Titanic metaphor coming back into clear focus. Like the stuff below the water is the stuff that you and God see, but it's the stuff that actually really matters because the surface stuff, the stuff on social media, even the stuff that your dear friend sees is not the stuff that will keep you floating, that will keep you thriving. It's the interior life that overflows into the exterior life. If all we try to do is keep the upper deck shined and looking good, the the boat can still sink. The boat can still snap in half. The interior life matters. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This sounds like all really good stuff and really hard stuff. The kind of stuff that you couldn't keep up by pure self-discipline. Let's, I'm going to keep going, but if, if you're looking for like meaningful, purposeful life, just do this stuff and what's about to come. Like You'll never have to wonder whether or not what you're doing is making a real difference in the world. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil and be careful to do what is, in the right, what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear brothers, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. Uh, maybe a good translation of this would be, it is my job to bring justice and I will repay. In other words, when you're wronged, trusting that God is the one who will judge, not needing to take control and punish people. Because as Gandalf says, when Frodo is like despising uh, Gollum, even the very wise cannot see all ends. There's your Lord of the Rings moment for the day. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. 
and doing this, he will heap burning coals on his head. And uh, again, the idea here isn't that you're punishing the person, but that people, whether they show it overtly or not, like when you repay evil with good, there's, there's a level to which they are exposed. And because of the shame and guilt they feel, they might actually lash back even harder and stronger against you. But uh, one of the things my father-in-law always told my wife is don't let them change you. And what he meant is, even if they mistreat you, even if they take advantage of you, don't let that make you to be the kind of person that repays them by taking advantage of them. If they don't keep their commitments, don't, make that, don't let that turn you into someone who doesn't keep their commitments because nobody else is keeping their commitments. They might feel the shame, but that's different than actually shaming them. And, and Jesus, like, shame is not a tool of Jesus. Do not be overcome with evil, verse 21, but overcome evil with good. I don't know how you're feeling after, like, reading all this stuff. Like, either, you, I mean, you can feel like, oh, man, that is, I want to be that. Let's do it. I've got, I've got that. Or you might be thinking, there's no way. There's no way I can live up to that. And, and if you're the second person, you actually probably have a decent grip on reality because these are the sorts of things that don't come naturally to us. They fly in the face of our like protective instincts, our fight or our flight or our freeze instincts. And, and some of us aren't even paying attention. But if you think back on the past week, there was a moment where your brain shut off, where you did something you regretted. Maybe you didn't think that you were as as mean or lost your temper as, as you really did. But if you ask the people around you, they probably per- experienced you as a lot more grumpy, let's say, than you experienced yourself. The cutting words that came out of your mouth only took you a second to say, but they might still be feeling the pain a week later. Because when we are faced with moments of anxiety, our our body just gets amped up, our brain shuts off, and we do things that so often we regret. Maybe it's a bad decision, maybe it's anger. This actually, Allison just walked out of the room. She was running sound, so here we go. Uh, This happened to us yesterday. Like, Allison was overwhelmed. I'm kidding. This is, I'm gonna honor her in this story. Allison was feeling overwhelmed yesterday because of the chaos in the kitchen. And I, I really, I tried to hold it together for as long as I could, and I was like, how can I help? Tell me what you need. And then, and then I, I snapped, and I took a roll of paper like from, that we had just bought from Ikea. It was an op- unopened roll of paper for our daughter to color on. I took it, and I threw it in the trash because it was on the counter. Again, and she was complaining about the counter. Um, oh, she's back. Hi. She was complaining about how messy the counter was, so I was like, this doesn't have a spot. I didn't even say it. I just thought it, right? In a moment, I like... I undid all my attempts to love and serve her when I threw it in the trash. And that ruined my day. <laughs> I don't know if it ruined her day, but it ruined my day. And uh, it's just, it's, it's so hard to live out of this place where we rise above our anxiety and our fear and we repay whatever circumstance, whatever the circumstance is, with love. And I mean, it's all of us. Let's go back, let's go back though to verse one and two. I want to start actually with verse two, I think. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I go back to this because none of us have actually arrived. We all have work to do. Most of us aren't even aware of how much we have conformed to the world, or another way to translate that is like this present age, the way of anxiety, the way of like power rather than the way of Jesus and love and vulnerability. The way of this age says, you know, power comes through control and power comes through money and power comes through, you know, machoism. And Jesus says, no, power comes through love and through sacrifice. But that's something, if you really want to live the way of Jesus, it must begin in the heart. And so just to simply become aware that you are trying to be forced into a mold. The imagery here in the Greek, to be conformed to the pattern of the world, is like if you think of a jello mold, the world, and I don't even mean the culture, I mean like the world in its like sin and rebellion and, and like unredeemed state, humans in their unredeemed state are being put into a mold of this present world where we act out of anxiety and fear and power and control. And it's a passive thing. Like going and watching TV is not just something you do. It's something that's done to you. Driving in your car is not just something you do. It's something that's done to you. Going shopping on Amazon or on the mall, it's not just something you do. It's something that's done to you. It's a formational experience. Do not be conformed. Do not be put into the mold of the world as will happen whether you choose to or not. There's all kinds of things going on in your life that you're, that you're unaware of, that you're, you don't think you're making choices, but it just it's this autopilot response. But rather, be transformed. The idea, be transformed by God and his grace through or by the renewing of your mind. Okay, first thing to note here is that we believe like in the foundation of God's grace, God's unconditional loving acceptance of you. It's not something you earn. But grace is, as Dallas Willard says, grace is opposed to earning. I thought there was a slide, maybe not. Grace is opposed to earning, but not opposed to effort. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. In other words, the, the formation, the transformation, while it is a gift from God, while it is an act of God's grace, just as our salvation is, a gift of grace, that doesn't mean it won't take effort. It takes effort to walk the journey of transformation. It takes effort to get below the surface and start to uncover and untangle the pain that you experienced as a child, the, the values that were imparted to you, the water you swam in that you didn't even know. Like we're ta I'm talking about political waters. I'm talking about family values. I'm talking about all sorts of things that we assume and often lump into the Christian bucket that maybe have nothing to do with Jesus. There are things you believe 
that are wrong. <laughs> there are things I believe that are wrong, and we've just never actually taken a clear view and examined them against like what the Bible actually says or how Jesus actually lived. That takes work. That takes community. That takes self-reflection. That takes accountability. That takes all kinds of effort. The transformation of our hearts is something that we do with God. And it's a gift. It's one of those like amazing paradoxes and mysteries and, and how does it even all fit together. That's, it's, it's a tension we hold and it's a journey we walk. Let me answer that. I asked a question, I should answer it. It's a tension we hold and it's a journey we walk. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Some of us, I think, might confuse the renewing of your mind with the the belief that if we just believe the right things or know the right things, then our, our inner life and our external behaviors will fall in line. Of course, this isn't true. Um, this isn't true because I know that it is important to work out 30 minutes a day. My Apple Watch tells me so. And uh, I'm lucky if I work out 30 minutes in a week. Anybody else in that boat? I know that it's true, not, I know that it's not enough to simply know the right things because I know that if I eat egg rolls right before we go to bed, that my stomach will hurt and I'll have heartburn and, uh, and they're not good for me. But we keep egg rolls in the freezer and uh, how many times this week did we have egg rolls before bed? Probably three or four times. It is not simply enough to know. The renewing of the mind here includes what you know, but it also has to do with attitude and perception and, uh, and it, it's simply, I think it's an invitation to fix your gaze on the transformative power of God. Like, it, it takes attention. It takes fixation. And the, the real transformation happens in your whole being, in your, like, in your whole self. And that, that is the invitation. The invitation is into community. The invitation is into transformation. It's into self-reflection. It's into paying attention how you're being formed by the world and how you renew your mind through, here's where I want to go with this, through placing yourself in the story of Jesus. Last week we talked about how in Torah, right, the first five books of the Bible, the Old Testament, uh, there's a bunch of like laws and stuff about how to relate to other people and how to relate to God, but it's inside of a story. So too for people who follow Jesus. And in the New Testament and in the early church, the thing that make the, made this come alive for people was not, as we kind of Western post-enlightenment people think, uh, believing a bunch of abstract ideas. It was your place in not just the the story of a community and a people, but your place in the story of Jesus. Every person who follows Jesus steps into the story of sacrificial death and resurrection, dying to self, rising to new life, laying down like the old ways of being and picking up the ways of Jesus. And the, the story of the church is simply the, the continuation of what Jesus is doing in the world. 
We need to find our place. We need to pay attention to the stories we're exposing ourselves because stories are formational. And so to keep everything grounded in the story of Jesus, specifically the way he loves people, the way he sacrifices for people, the way of vulnerability, but also the way of resurrection, the way of hope, the way of peace. This is the story we live in. And finally, chapter 12, verse 1, where he says, I offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The imagery here is, again, Old Testament imagery. And at the time of Jesus and the time of Paul, there was a temple and there was an altar and they actually took animals there and sacrificed them on like, they built a little fire and they would sacrifice the animals on an altar at the temple. When I was in Israel, they have a little reconstruction of an altar in Dan. It's the name of a city. I know it sounds like a person. It was a person too. Also the name of an old city that there's nothing but ruins left. But there's a picture of an altar. And the imagery here, here's a picture now of me 15 years ago. This is 2005 myself. There I am. Okay. The idea of actually bringing your whole self onto the altar is is bringing your whole self into complete surrender, willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus. And this, again, this doesn't happen simply by saying, today I decide to follow Jesus and I bring you my whole self because if you're anything like me, you're like an onion and there are layers. And I think I've given my whole self to Jesus, but really there's this lower compartment that I haven't really paid any attention to. And maybe I've even kind of drawn a circle around and been like, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to really trust God with my finances. I don't know if I'm really ready to trust God with my sexuality. I don't know if I'm really ready to trust God with my, like, my dating relationships or my, the pain I experienced in my family of origin. I, I don't know if I'm really ready, but the invitation is whenever you find something, whenever you uncover something in your life, it's like, nope, it goes on the altar. I'm bringing my whole self today, Jesus. And so that's the invitation I want to end with. And so just if you would, wherever, you're all, wherever you are, sit or stand in like a, a posture that is prayerful and say, today, Jesus, I offer you my full self. I ask that you would reveal like what's going on in the lower decks of my life and the lower decks of my heart. I need humility. I need humility. I need your help. I fully surrender. We ask that you would come and transform us by the renewing of our minds. Come, Holy Spirit. Now as we like, just turn our hearts to you in worship, as we turn our hearts to you in song, we ask that you would come and meet us, speak to us, become the center. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.